the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning and welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Happy Halloween. Spooky. And you've got a chance to watch Channel 4 Cron, quarter of the hour. You got to see me dressed up as a special character. Spooky. Which Scooby-Doo character was I? Do you know? Let's just say awesomeness. I was Velma. Velma Dinkley. A lot of people don't know that I have a last name. Tune in at 9.15 this morning if you want to see what it looks like. Or I'm sure it's going to go viral or on Facebook. You can certainly check it out online. Um, Rob Black. Talk all things financial money, investing, and more. Why did I do that? Why did I dress up as a female character from the greatest cartoon of all time? The greatest mystery detective of all time? She empowered me as a kid, right? She empowered you as a kid, right? I hope so. Anyhow, and anyway, um, where do we go with this? The market. Let's talk the market. Let's stop talking about me and let's start talking about the market. Oh, wait, wait, why did I do it? A lot of times it's it's morale. Who doesn't like seeing their favorite cartoon character, right? I don't know. We've got lots to talk about. ExxonMobil profit falls 18% on weak refining margins. The world's largest publicly traded oil company reported higher than expected results. And yet profit down. In the first three months this year, Exxon spent $33 billion to produce production. That's pretty crazy. Um, earnings decreased by $2.4 billion due to weaker margins. Profit was $7.87 billion. Not too shabby, right? Hopefully you see it that way, because I certainly do. Where do we go from here now that all of our children are grown up? Let's think about this one. Okay. Um, Markets hit a little bit of a headwind yesterday. And that headwind was potentially higher interest rates, so says the Fed. It wasn't earnings. Earnings. 
Corporate America is so lean and so mean and so well-positioned to take advantage of any increase in revenue. I'm excited. But for now, corporate America is looking at that 10-year treasury and going, you know what? We love you. Please don't move higher. Markets opened a little higher. Now the SP 500 is down five. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 44. The Nasdaq down 17. I am Velma Dinkley. Now I am cautiously optimistic. Hopefully you are as well. Let me know what's working for you or not working for you. My email's not working, so urgh, that's all I have to say about that, right? Halloween candy explains the economy. Candy sales are projected to rise again this Halloween. There's a big media piece going around about how there's a big media piece going around about how um, one woman in Fargo is dropping notes in kids' Halloween boxes, bags, bags, saying your kid's fat, he shouldn't be eating candy. Weird, right? Like, that's the person you, I'm not going to say attack, but that's the person you'll, I don't know, go against and say, just enjoy the day. Let the kids eat and be fat for one day of the year, and let the parents go after their kids 364 days of the year. You with me against me? SP 500 enters its final session of the month. Spooky of October. Do you know what we're up for October? A very scary 4.9%. That's not scary. Jinkies! That's pretty awesome, right? It's been a good year. It's been a really good month. Increased expectations for additional liquidity provisions from the ECB after Eurozone unemployment. Weekly initial jobless claims, 340,000 versus 335,000, a bit higher than expected. Where are all the people going? Old man Smithers has got those kids. Strength day in consumer discretionary, healthcare, energy, teleco services. Weakness in consumer staples, financial, tech, and utilities. So again, it's one of those days where market participants... Will they trick or will they treat? Monetary, poli- monetary policy considerations has been pretty friendly, but yet there was a little bit to digest from that meeting yesterday where they talked about, you know, we did this quantitative easing three and we're, there were some results that we wanted to see that happened. It was a directive that was not quite as dovish as the market had hoped. Despite the shutdown and debt ceiling drama, the Fed continues to maintain downside risk to the economy. Okay, we're good on that. There was no mention of upcoming budget and debt ceiling negotiations, so they're not focusing in on that as an excuse to keep things dovish, i.e. lower interest rates. Fed recognizes fiscal policy is restraining growth. By removing the tightening of financial conditions language, they removed, quote, tightening of financial conditions. They're looking at the drop in long-term rates, the rise in stock prices as a potential accelerant for economic activity. I know I'm feeling wealthier. Visa was a penny shy of expectations. ExxonMobil beat by a penny. Mm-hmm. 
I look for earnings that are slightly disappointing to be my opportunity to buy the hell out of stocks. Starbucks week, I'll take it. Yes, please. Yes, 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 please. You don't have to, like, is Starbucks 8% growth not good enough? Oh, how dare you? You only grew at 8%. So they're a little off. They're off 1.6%. Do they have downside from here? Yes. Do I think I'm going to be drinking coffee the day I die? Probably. Visa comes out with a quarter that wasn't spectacular. It wasn't rosy. They basically said there were some deflationary issues. Oh, no, the stock goes from 203 to 195 after going from 140 to 195 this year. Would I buy that stock? Hell, yeah, I'd buy that stock. If it goes down to 180, I'd, I'd probably cut off my hand and sell it on eBay. Hey, look at that, honey. On eBay, there's Rob Black's hand for sale. Do you want me to go further and say I'd cut off my hand and flush it down the toilet? Maybe. Sony cut its four-year profit targets after slipping to a quarterly net loss as its recovering TV operation relapsed in the red. You know, I was getting my hair cut yesterday. I can't really get behind Sony at this point in time. Remember the Sony Walkman? Me too. Coming up one week from today, big event, big retirement boot shop, workshop, boot camp, event, conglomeration. It's a monster. It's a big event. Next Thursday, one week from tonight, in San Jose, at the airport hotel. You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. AM two seven nine seven with a Bloomberg market loss three point nine percentine. Ten year Treasury yields take. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Gotta have more cowbell. More cowbell. Gotta have more cowbell. Facebook had an interesting quarter. Kids are starting to leave Facebook. We knew it would happen. We didn't know it would happen this fast. They're not leaving Facebook, though. They're just using it less. The question is, using it less, will they still stick around in the future? I think so. Otherwise, eh, again, I own shares of Facebook. I think it's expensive, and I think any chance to sell the stock, you should. It's had a big run. You've made some money. With that said, Facebook or Twitter, who's going to be more popular in 10 years from now? How about AOL or what was that other company before there was Facebook? Exactly, right? Like, you can't even come up with a name of it. That shows you how hokey we were as a nation. Mobile ad growth is important. It's moving forward. Um, I don't know. I, I just throw that out there for you. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. How are we doing all market numbers? The SP 500's down 5. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 51. The NASDAQ down 15. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Let's talk a little loaded variable annuities, annuities in general. Uh, these are products that are sold to people. They, they preach safety. They preach protection. 
they tend to say you don't have to invest in the crazy stock market. What are your thoughts on loaded variable annuities? Most of the promises are smoke and mirrors. So people buy these things because they talk about guarantees of 5 or 6%. So they think their principal is guaranteed, and it's not the case. It's an income for life guarantee. And because of balanced portfolio, even over this last What's decade, the difference? What's the difference? Well, a principal guarantee means if you have you know, 6% guarantee in 10 years, if you want to cash it out and the market's fallen 20%, you're going to have your original investment plus a 6% return. You can cash in a check and walk away with your money. Okay. That's not the case. If you want the guarantees that come with a variable annuity, you have to create an income stream at retirement. And so you don't, it's, it's not walk away money, it's income for life money. All right? Number two, you're paying for that guarantee. The fees inside those variable annuities are often, you know, one and a half to two percent just for the insurance cost of the fee plus the internal cost of the funds that you're investing in. So loaded variable annuities often have fees. Of about 3% a year, okay, um, which is a significant hit to your overall portfolio in the long run. Now, I use a no-load variable annuity for a portion of my bond investments, right? but only a small portion. Having all of the money in there is going to cost you a lot of principal in the long run, and your heirs a lot of mo- money when you pass away. So variable annuities, the problem with them is that you know, they're sold to people. They say, here's this great investments. I'll help you manage the money, and here's these income guarantees or death benefit guarantees. You pay for the guarantee, the person sells it to you, and they disappear because they've got to go find the next you to sell to. They make all their money up front, right? right? And then you're stuck in the deal for six to ten years. So you're stuck in a deal, and mathematically, you know, if you give them $100,000, they're guaranteeing that they'll give you 6000 They're guaranteeing that income. That's not what they're guaranteeing. They're not, it's not a principal guarantee. It's an income for life starting at age, say, well, 65. Okay, and that income is 6% of 100000 Yes. So they're guaranteeing 6000 Right. Okay, that's the basic. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to get people all on the same page with this concept. Um, what have you got in annuity? Do you call the insurance company and say, I, I need this explained to me in human terms? What's your first step to determine if you keep it or don't keep it? Uh, well, the first one is, when did you buy it, and are there surrender charges? So you're getting your statement, and they say, here's your account value, and here's your surrender value. Um, a lot of times, if you bought one, unfortunately, you're going to have to stay in it until the surrender charges go away. Okay. And then you're free to move it. So if there's a gain in the contract, um, you can do a 1035 exchange to a no-load version and avoid paying taxes on that gain. If it's an IRA, then you can do whatever you want. You can just transfer it to another IRA or or whatever there may be. But if there's a gain, you have to realize that. Um, Let's say you took taxable dollars and you invested in an annuity, variable annuity, and you've lost money in it. Well, if you cash it out, there's a way to write off the loss is a miscellaneous itemized deduction, but there's AMT tax issues there that you have to talk to your tax advisor about. But a lot of times you just have to look at your statement, say there's surrender charges, and when did those go away? And as soon as they go away, or maybe even a year early as they decline in value, it might be an issue of you might want to leave two years early because it's a pay-if-you-stay or a pay-if-you-go type of a scenario. Right. These are really high. But there's all sorts of no-load variable annuities that you could 1035 exchange to without... You know, and then it's t- totally liquid, 100% liquid. For Where can you find these annuities that you would want to transfer into? Because my general concept is I don't like working with other human beings on financial products right. when it comes to insurance, and ins- annuities are insurance. So, therefore, I don't want to work with a human. I want to work with a company like uh, USAA. Do they do annuities? Does Yeah, I mean, the, but the only reason, in my opinion, to be in a variable annuity, a no-load variable annuity, is for a, a bond-like guarantee income for life. And okay. so... 
the the ones that are out there, you can go to emeritusdirect.com. Vanguard has one. Okay. And those are really the ones that are, are decent. And I, in fact, you know, they're changing though because they change how they charge on the the fees. So. A lot of times people really can't just do it on their own. It's, a, it's the most confusing financial product that's out there. Contact you, or is that not something you want people doing? Oh, yeah. I mean, if people you know, have an annuity as part of their overall portfolio and they're worried about it and they think they got sold a, you know, basically a pile of garbage and they want some help on, you know, should I stay, should I go, what are the no-load options out there, by all means, yeah. Chat at chatburton.com if you want to shoot me a scenario. That's something we should start a business on, pileofgarbage.com. <laughs> Pileofgarbageannuities.com. So Emeritus, you brought up that name. I don't think that's a name that most people are familiar with. They're the no-load insurance pioneer. Really? Yeah, so you can even get permanent life insurance through a company like that um, that's, you know, no-load. So if you're in this life insurance policy for three years and you don't like it anymore, you don't need it anymore, you can get out your cash value without surrender charges. You know, when you bring up pioneer, I think of the Go West young man and the pioneers and things along those lines. I figure I'm pretty pleased that I was born when I was born because if I was a pioneer... I would have been the, the first guy shot with the arrow. Mm. You know how the all, pioneers are all in the stagecoaches and they're all, you know, uh, in their covered wagons. And then a, an arrow comes over the horizon and it hits someone. And then everybody knows to hide after exactly. after you got hit. I'm going to be the puffy target that gets deflated. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I got in the business almost 20 years ago. And, my you know, my grandfather was selling annuities at banks for years. Back then, capital gains were at 27%. So annuities were a great next bet after your IRAs. Roths weren't around yet. And if we see an increase in capital gains tax, annuities will become attractive again and if they go up over 25%. That's CFP Chad Burton. CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I've often thought that if there's a chance of a zombie apocalypse, I'm going to be the fat guy who gets stuck in the door and chewed up by zombies. Don't be that guy when it comes to retirement. Max out your 401k. Strong advice from me to you. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Don't be shy. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Sounds that can alert you to danger. The topic is real estate. The Expo banner at Katie. Wall Street is a dead man's party, right? Are you with me against me? You have to choose a side. Come on, people. You have to choose a side. Something I truly, truly believe in is that we have to do everything that we can to get to retirement. And I don't think enough people do. I think it's critically important to start thinking this way. And if you don't, I think you're going to be hurt. And what do I, why do I say that? Like, Because the average Social Security check's $1,200? Okay, maybe that's one. Um, Because retirement's not going to be very attractive unless you do something about it. Yeah. Oh, my. Got a big interview coming up with a CEO of a company, MongoDB. We're going to talk growth. We're going to talk funding. We're going to talk uh, 
headquarters, Palo Alto, New York City. Max Shears is going to join us a little later today. UC Berkeley, age 14. Holy mackerel. Raised $150 million in funding. Trying to take on the old big company out there. We'll talk about that and more a little later in the show. Something I truly believe is that we have to do everything that we can in order to get to retirement. It's an odd concept because there's different people out there, millennials, there's baby boomers, there's Generation X. But my personal thought is is that we weren't terribly well informed as kids. We made a lot of mistakes when it came to money. Our parents in particular, we didn't learn lessons like set priorities and goals. Before you can achieve any financial goal, whether it's a pay off your student loan, whether it's saving for a vacation, whether it's getting married and having a sugar burger and buying a house, woman shampooed my hair yesterday. Beautiful, stunningly beautiful. Probably a 23, 24 year old girl. I don't know. 23, 24 year old woman. She's a woman. Whoa, 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 whoa. She lives with her boyfriend. She pays rent to him because he owns a house. I'm like, okay. How did he buy it? I was like, how did you buy a house? She goes, I live with my boyfriend. I'm like, how did he buy a house? Like, that's my next question on my head because millennials, it's pretty difficult in order to afford a home. A lot of people assume a budget's only for those who, you know, have a spending problem, but it's not true. A budget's for those who have priorities and goals and need to fund those priorities and goals. And, like, I, you know, I shut up when I was talking to the uh, woman with shampoo in my hair because I felt like I was getting kind of creepy kind of fast. I want to know, like, I was like, do you have a prenup? What if he kicks you to the street? Like, you're living with him. He's getting the milk for free. You're paying rent. It's like, I'm not paying that much rent. Like, it's a good deal for me, too. Like, not really. <laughs> you're, using your, you're losing your youth. Debt encourages you to spend more than you can afford. Debt is a problem in our society. And that goes back to creating a budget. Don't get in debt. Setting priorities, goals. Funding them via not getting in debt. Fund them via your paycheck. You know, then you get into, before you even start thinking about investing, you start insuring. Most people don't have heart attacks. Most people don't have liver disease. Most people don't have cancer. But if you have any of those, it's going to financially retard your growth forever if you don't have some sort of health insurance. You're going to be spooky. You're going to have a haunted house of a home if you don't have homeowner's insurance. And the next thing you know, your dog bites someone. Or there's a wasp nest on your property and it stings a local kid. And you joked about it earlier, like, oh, there's a wasp nest there. People start putting one and one together, two and two. Life insurance is critical to financial planning. It's a crazy concept. Most of us don't die. But if you do and people need your income, you just basically cursed them. Because now they're going to have to react to your death via changing their life that they had with you. Disability insurance is my biggest nightmare. Ooh. There's a car coming at me, and he is texting his friend. 
and he hits me, and I lose my ability to do my job. Oh, good God. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Can I get a little Chewbacca sound effect? I need a little Chewbacca this morning. So auto insurance is important, but disability insurance kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with it, as does life insurance, term life, as does homeowners insurance or renter's insurance. When it comes to investing, first thing you do is have an emergency fund. Next thing you do is you max out your retirement plan. The earlier you start, the better. IRAs are important, but if you can do a 401k, 403b, 457, and you're comfortable with it, do that. If you don't have a 401k, 403b, 457, consider that as an IRA. You, know, you have to do it yourself. I think asset allocation is more important than being right. It's nearly impossible to tell what's going to do well, stocks, bond, cash, real estate. Never chase the hot stock, the hot mutual fund, the hot real estate industry. I spoke yesterday at a real estate investment income expo, and the people that came up to me to say hello, none of them should have owned real estate, and yet they are at a real estate investment expo. If you start early and you invest regularly, you do well. And, you know, I got a phone call during my radio show yesterday. Or I signed in for Chad Burton. I did his radio show, newfocusfinancial.com. Him and I can do a retirement boot camp together next Thursday in San Jose at the airport hotel. You can learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. It's the last event of the year. Um, if you start early enough, you'll do well. But when I was speaking to this... Expo, I was stunned by how, he's like, I want to buy apartments. I'm like, okay, you want to buy apartments? Where? It's a Concord. Okay, like, okay, you want to buy apartments in Concord. Yeah, Concord. I'm like, you tend to want to buy apartments in luxury areas? And or you tend to want to buy apartments near jobs? If you want to be a slumlord, you can buy them in areas that don't have a lot of jobs. Your clientele are going to be drug users, unemployed, service employees on the low end of the economy. If you want that, do it. I prefer you to buy apartments in areas that are a plenty of jobs, whether it be a university. You know, your job as a student is to go to school and get a good education. Your job as a teacher is to give a good education. There's a lot of money and there's a lot of jobs that support the university system. So I'm always a little bit stunned that uh, people want to be aggressive and you know pull in two, three, four million dollars into a real estate relationship just because they've seen some people get wealthy because of real estate. Trust me, I've seen a lot of people who've lost their whole life savings into real estate. Jinkies. Um, <clears throat> so asset allocation is important. Yeah, you want some real estate. The best way to own real estate is the place you live and or a publicly traded real estate investment trust. REITs were invented in the 1960s by Congress as a way of letting wealthy people own parts of commercial real estate, in my opinion. 
They don't pay taxes. They pay you 90% of the profits, plus you get exposed to the real estate. So I actually own apartments, Avalon Bay, in San Francisco, without actually owning apartments. I own the publicly traded version of it. Maybe I own one one millionth of it, or one one hundredth of a millionth of it, but I own apartments in San Francisco commercially through a publicly traded REIT, Avalon Bay. I was talking to a girlfriend yesterday who works with me in radio, female friend, and I go, yeah, you know, here we are at this real estate expo and people want to go out and buy real estate and there was a smoking woman, a smoking, she was so incredibly good looking at one of the booth, one of the booth babes. Her clothes were perfectly fit to her body, like, so her ribs had a color, her upper body had a color, her pants had a color, her, like, she was well outfitted. And she's selling apartments in in Richmond, not Richmond, um, Riverside. And and what scares me and what upsets me about that is, is most people shouldn't actually own real apartments. Most people should own Avalon Bay, which has apartments in San Francisco. And I can't convince people that. They actually want to go out and take out massive amounts of leverage, potentially go bankrupt, have tons of exposure. When, if it was a good deal, why didn't Trump do it? Why didn't someone else buy those apartments in Riverside or Dallas or elsewhere? Because these guys are selling something with high commissions and high fees. Don't forget, big event coming up in San Jose one week from tonight. You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. For the Standard and Poor's 500. It's a stock that's a little bit weaker today. It's a stock that I think you should own for the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45 years. It's ubiquitous. When I say Starbucks, you say. Like, if we, we're on password, the password is Starbucks. I could go, coffee. And the first thing you would say is, Starbucks. Right? I could say caffeine, mermaid. So Starbucks is kind of ubiquitous, and I think they have room to grow. There's a company called Trafis, and they released a report this morning. The company currently has stores that average about 500 customers a day. That number is going to grow to more than 750 customers a day by 2020. Okay, so do the math. That's pretty good growth. I don't care if you could figure out if that's 25 or 50% growth or 33% growth. All I want you to know is that's pretty good growth. Are you with me or against me? Got to choose a side. They've got mobile app growth. They've got mobile payment growth. They've got an expanded food menu. And it's all going to push the company forward. And if you don't see that, there's something wrong with you, in my opinion. And by me saying there's something wrong with you, I'm saying there's something wrong with you. Slap yourself. Calm down. Get the big picture. Oh, my, Captain. Big Pappy gets a ring. He gets the MVP. 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 I don't even know what to say to that. A fan from St. Louis got uh, arrested last night for 
bringing up the pressure cooker on social media. Remember the Boston Marathon pressure cooker? Like, that's just so wrong on so many levels. Like, why would you post something that stupid? Which, trust me, I think we've all done once or twice. Not that stupid, but pretty stupid, right? Ortiz hoisted reliever. Kojura. After the final out in a 6-1 win, then Big Poppy raised the gleaming gold trophy. He said that he was born to do this. He talked about swinging a bat in his mother's womb. He's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? He's a little still tied towards the steroid era. He hit 11 for 16 during the World Series. Two home runs, six RBIs. He missed a grand slam when Carlos Beltran reached over the short bullpen wall. Oh, his bat did the talking. It's kind of nice to see, right? Oh, my. Everyone should tune in 915 when I'm on Channel 4 Cron because I'm dressed as a character from your childhood. Perhaps the greatest character of all time. I think we all had a crush on her. Who am I dressed as? I'm not dressed as Scooby. I'm not a dog. Oh, this just reminds us about the voice of Scooby-Doo. What a great career having a voice work, right? Casey Kasem, counting down the hits. Um, am I dressed as Freddy? No, 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 no. Shaggy? Uh-uh, too easy. Could I possibly pull off a Daphne who I had a crush on? I had a crush on a cartoon character as a kid. That's how crazy I, that's how wrong I am. Dressed as Velma. You probably get my Facebook page at some point in time. I sense that it's going to be posted more than once. Six foot two, 215 pound man dressed as Velma. Velma Dinkley. So tune in if you can. I'd appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm Rob Black. So Halloween candy is a great investment if you're a long-term patient investor. There's a company called Tootsie Roll that's publicly traded, and they sell a lot more than Tootsie Rolls. There's a company called Hershey, which is publicly traded, and they sell a lot more than Hershey's. Candy has an addictive quality to it. Tied towards sugar. Laboratory rats have proven it's cheap. Unlike alcohol. Now, you could, like, be that snobby sea salt caramel dude. Screw you. You could be the gluten-free Halloween candy house. No, 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 no. I want Nestle Crunch. I want Starburst. I want something crazy good, chocolatey. I'll even take sweet tarts. Mmm, sweet tarts. I saw a three-year-old kid who could barely walk dressed as a ghost, and it's the cutest thing I've ever seen, right? Are you with me against me? So enjoy the holiday. It's a little bit of a break from the stock market, which is up 26% for the year. Woohoo! Stock market's up 26% for the year. But it is stressful, right? Can you imagine, if I were to tell you, you're going to get to Vegas with $1,000, you get $260, you're going to win. You'd take it, Right? You can go to Vegas with $100,000. You can come out with 26000 
126,000? You'd take it, right? And yet people look at Wall Street as too much of a gamble. You're crazy people. You people are ding-dong, diddly-ding-dong in the head. You're Coco in the, or you're Loco in the Coco. S&P 500's down 4, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 40, NASDAQ down 6. Yeah, we need a break. You can't have big years like this forever and ever and ever. Forevermore. I love you forevermore. Kristen Stewart, awful actress. If any of you think Kristen Stewart's a great actress, you're loco in the coco. Patty Penn and Rob Black. 800-516-1220. Big event coming up next Thursday, one week from tonight. It's my last publicly... Uh, event tied towards investing in retirement. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. If you drive a pre-owned GM vehicle with OnStar, you've got a powerful connection to help wherever you go. Alto. Is this on? Is this on? Hello? Hello? Happy Halloween. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. And it's not funny pretending like the microphone's not on. Oh, yes, it is. For one moment there, number eight, panicked. For one moment, as much as a panic person can do, a millennial. Young and smart, millennials are facing home buying hurdles. Starbucks, Starbucks, I tell you, had a good quarter. Visa had a good quarter. Facebook had a good quarter. For the love of God, did you see the numbers inside of, uh, of Facebook? And people are like, hmm, yeah, but they're losing young people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm totally with that. And I'm not going to make fun of AOL because they lost young people at a point, too. Teens are officially leaving Facebook. Hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. There's a good uh, pull quote for uh, number eight to go find. Anything Schwarzenegger. Anything Chewbacca. This is a show dedicated to you and retirement, Chewbacca and uh, Schwarzenegger. Facebook's no longer the most popular social network for teenagers. How is that possible? Like, almost every teenager uses Facebook. Twitter is the king of teens. 26% of them name it their most important social site. Only 23% say Facebook is. Hold on, I got sneeze. <laughs> oh, good God. What was that? What was that? Zoinkies. It's a mystery. I know. She didn't really say Zoinkies, did she? Nah, she didn't. She said, Zoinkies. Zoinkies. I'm dressed as Velma Dinkley today. I gotta tell you, it's pretty empowering going into a convenience store to grab a caffeinated beverage at five in the morning. I'm there with F-150 truck drivers, F-250, F-350. These are manly men, manly men. They've got hair on parts of their body that I didn't know you could have hair on, like the bottom of their feet. These are big guys. And I come in dressed as the very sexy and voluptuous Thelma Dinkley. And instantly they go back to their childhood and they're like, oh. You know, my, my older siblings had a Gilligan's Island dilemma. Who do they go for? The actress 
or the home country country home style girl. I had the dilemma as a child that I like Daphne or did I like Velma? First and foremost, what's with the name Velma? Is it Dutch? Like, I can't explain certain things that I just assume must be Dutch, right? The Danish, the Thanes. Velma, what's the, the, the lineage of that word? It's got to be something, right? She has her own Wikipedia page. I don't even have my own Wikipedia page. I once had my own Wikipedia page, but you people bastardized it so much that they had to take it down. You made me seven foot tall. You made me smarter than the average bear. She said various incarnations this Velma Dinkley has. Highly intelligent young woman. What a great role model. She's interested in science. What a great role model. She pursued a career as a NASA research scientist. She knows a lot about Viking mythology, which who knows a lot about Viking mythology? She's a younger sister. She was born with a mystery book in her hand. She was usually the one to figure out the mystery. Sometimes a little help from Fred, sometimes a little help from Daphne, but let's face it, Daphne was a swimsuit model. She was inspired by the brainy tomboy Zelda Gilroy. Which, I know you're saying, who's that? She's nearsighted. She had trouble keeping her glasses on her face. She was never afraid to volunteer for a mission. Like, these are all good characteristics. She gave her dog a treat, a Scooby snack, as a bribe. Jinkies Jeepers? Like, I love her. And thus, paying tribute to her today. At some point in time, I'll post it on Facebook. I'm just not there yet. If you want to see what I look like, I'd love some feedback from you. I know you're saying, talk about the stock market, Rob. We don't care about Velma. Well, you know what? On occasion, you really should stop and care, in my opinion. It's not that difficult, in my opinion. Anyway. Life isn't that difficult, and yet we make it murderous. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Visa earnings fared well. Very, very well, my friend. Stay thirsty, my friend. Right? You get how Visa, you look at their numbers, and you're like, oh, that's ugly. 28% drop in fourth quarter profit? What are you talking about, Rob? This is disastrous. Old Man Smithers did something with Visa. Their income fell 28%, the world's largest process of debt and credit card payments. Said payments on its system rose 13%. That's pretty good. Growth in the number of U.S. transactions slowed from August to September, showing some constrained consumer spending. And that's the negative. They expect one day to benefit from stronger economic growth. And that's the positive. The company earned $1.1 billion in the last 90 days. And that's the positive. You people have to look at opportunities to buy and not necessarily opportunities to bash. I hope that you stop hurting yourself as an investor. And I hope that you start seeing opportunities when they're out there. 
Like, Facebook had a disastrous quarter. They're, no, no, wait, wait. Facebook had a great quarter, and then they admitted the truth that they're not the hippest, coolest place for teenagers. And you know what? That's actually okay, in my opinion. You don't have to be all things to all people all the time. And, yes, I will bring up the very scary reminder that AOL once was hip, and then it became tragically unhip, and it was disastrous when it did. Facebook had a great quarter, minus the fact that they said, you know, teenagers aren't using us as much as they really could be. To get your calls in the air, it's 800 It's 800-516-1220. Earnings were up 108% year-over-year. Revenue was up 60% year-over-year. Active mobile users were up 45% year-over-year. Half of its revenue is now mobile, which, you know, 18 months ago was non-existent. And they opened their mouth. They opened up their big old yap, 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 and they started talking about teenagers. Can they solve this problem? Yeah. Is it a problem? Yes. It's something we've talked about on the show numerous times. Big event coming up Thursday, next Thursday, one week from today in San Jose at the Airport Hotel. You can learn more at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. My website's up. It's just not terribly functional right now. We'll take a break here. My email's not functioning right now, so don't drop me an email either. You can find me online, though, robblack.com, Twitter, robblackshow. Well, 20 KDOW with the Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Kevin Bacon, that Kevin Bacon was in Friday the 13th, the original movie, Friday the 13th. Crazy, right? It's a Hollywood success story. You make a movie for very little money, you put in no-name actors, and you do very, very, very well because you have a built-in audience of people who want to be scared. Charlize Theron was in Children of the Corn 3. I know, Children of the Corn 3. Tom Hanks was in the movie He Knows You're Alone. Renee Zellweger, also known as Lemon Face. She was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Leonardo DiCaprio was in Critters 3. We missed Critters 1 and 2, but we loved Critters 3. Hillary Swank, before she was in The Karate Kid, or The Next Karate Kid, she was in the original movie, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. John Travolta was in a movie called The Devil's Reign. It's a success story just waiting to happen, right? Anyhow, you get the idea. Labor is a big part of success or failure in movies as well as in businesses. 
The SP 500 is down three, the Dow's down 44, the NASDAQ down four. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. He's on the show on a regular basis. You can always find him at newfocusfinancial.com. A lot of people want to hire CFPs, and I know one of the questions that you ask is, how much money do you have in stocks, bonds? What's your house worth? How much income do you have? How much income will you need in retirement? But one of the lines in your forms is, how much do you have in stock options? In the Bay Area, a lot of people are wealthy on stock options. Let's talk a little bit about planning with stock options. Well, yeah, stock options are, you know, have been a historically a pretty successful way to build wealth in the Bay Area, but they're one of the hardest things to plan for. And you have so many different, there's there's restricted stock options or RSUs, they're just grants that vest over time. Um, there's incentive stock options and non-qualified stock options. And the first step when it comes to stock options is, is teaching a person to treat them as income. Because really all they are is the company can't afford to pay you what they think you're worth necessarily. They want you to work harder so that you have future benefit in the company's share appreciation. So you've got to learn to treat your stock options as, as income. Don't treat it as a nest egg. Don't treat it as a home run. Don't treat it as anything but, like you said, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket in retirement. Therefore, you have to diversify out of your stock options because they are income. Yeah, and, and especially you know if you're younger and you you get up to ten to fifteen percent of your net worth in these leveraged options and they don't expire for a long period of time and you think the company's doing extremely well, then fine. But even after that, there there comes a point where you've got to make the decision that as the option ages, the leverage drops and the downside risk is higher than the upside risk. And so really what, what we do is keep a spreadsheet that shows, you know, here's the value of the stock, here's the strike price on the option, and any time that difference will still net you an 8 to 10% rate of return even after you pay Uncle Sam, that's when you know the trigger points are starting to hit and you should start diversifying. So if you're in your 50s, you need to, you know, start getting to the point where less than 5 to 10% of your portfolio is in your company options. Um, and that number is a little lower in your 30s. You could do 15% if you're really super aggressive because you've got time to, to deal with the fact that you know, if the company goes upside down and your options are worthless, you've got time to make that up. And the way to look at it is your company, they already pay for your house, your car. They're already such a big portion of your, your income and your, your light daily costs that you can't have all your eggs in that one basket. Because sometimes companies do fail. Uh, WorldCom comes to mind, Enron comes to mind, so be careful on stock options. Well, yeah, and, and then also we're starting to see incentive stock options being granted again. Um, that's one of those, we saw a lot of those in 1998, 1999, where people exercise them, and the idea with incentive stock options, if, you, if they've longer than two years from grants or one year since you've exercised them, if you exercise and hold them, you can eventually get qualified for capital gains treatment. But they're subject to AMT, so what happens is people... If they exercise too late in the year and they try to hold them, they could exercise late in one year, owe a huge AMT tax, and the company fails the next year, and you can't go bankrupt with Uncle Sam. You just can't. Um, So if you're doing incentive stock options, you've really got to plan very carefully for those, run a lot of models, realize the AMT tax, and if you're going to exercise and hold them, you've got to do it real early in the year, like the first few weeks of January, so that you have a whole year to be able to avoid the AMT um, by selling them early. It helps having a financial planner run the scenario for you or your own accountant run some scenarios for you? You've you got to have both. Okay. I mean, because to run those different scenarios, you need the you know, pretty extensive tax software. And so the financial planner can come up with the strategies and the what-if scenarios, and then you have the CPA or the enrolled agent run it through the models based on all the other issues, which is you know, how much property taxes you pay can also throw you into AMT, how many other deductions can throw you into AMT. There's, there's, there's a lot of issues. Managing your tax load is just as important as managing your insurance and your investments. 
Uh, anything else that we need to know about stock options? Well, then it kind of goes into ESPPs, which is the same deal. Um, the taxation is a little bit different, but what I tell people is if, again, they're, they're over 10% in their, their company stock and they're still buying the ESPPs for the discount, which makes sense financially in most, in most good companies, um, once those are two years old, make sure you have a plan once they reach that two-year period, which is the qualifying date for most plans, they're 18 months to two years, Start selling those systematically and reinvesting them into something else. And again, 2012, capital gains tax 15%. 2013, 20% or higher. Right. So the tax laws change on a regular basis. People need to be aware of that. Right. Especially, uh, you know, when you're sitting on a large sum of money. It's funny. I used to think of stock options as that person's sexy because you got stock options. Mm-hmm. The early 2000s and 90s were very good to say that you had stock options. Lots of option grants and free BMWs back then. Absolutely. A lot of people would convert and go and splurge on a car, which is something you should avoid doing because cars are depreciating assets. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, no, just the idea of treating it as income. And, and don't be afraid of taxes. Taxes are going to be there if it's a success, successful situation. So, um you pay taxes when you have success, and you just have to plan to pay the least amount of taxes, but still keep the most amount of your net worth. I would argue that the estate tax is not success. <laughs> the estate? You die, you owe tax. But then again, you were successful in your life, so I see what you're saying. That's Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So, happy Halloween, everyone. Have fun. Enjoy the day. Give out, have six real-sized candy bars for the six best costumes that come to your house. Right? Are you with me? Refuse to give candy to children not dressed in costume. Refuse. Yes, it may pay a price. I have a big dog. I've got a Vishla. And um, she tends to poop in the yard on occasion. So I use these little poop bags that I pick up. That I've got waiting just for that perfect kid who's a jerk at the door. <laughs> and I'll slip it into his bag. I'm not going to let him know I'm giving it to him. You know what I'm saying? It's closed, it's concealed, but it's funny. You want a whole size candy bar? Anyway, you can sign up at robblack.com for what? I don't know. Oh, there's some sort of sign up there. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Joining me now, Max Shearson, CEO of MongoDB. He was named number 13 on Business Insider's Silicon Alley Top 100 Coolest People in New York Tech. He went to UC Berkeley at the age of 14 to study math. He's CEO, Chief Executive Officer of MongoDB. How are you, Max? Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, Tell me a little bit about MongoDB. What does it mean? What do you do? Sure. So uh, MongoDB is a database that's designed to to let uh, developers be more agile and better deal with large amounts of data. Okay. Obviously, data critically important. 
We live in the information age. What do your users, who are your users of MongoDB? See, our, our initial users were mostly tech companies. So, for example, Foursquare is built on top of MongoDB. But nowadays, uh, traditional enterprises uh, are, are looking at MongoDB to solve a lot of their challenges with large data sets. So, for example, MetLife used MongoDB to, to bring together information on policies that was in about 70 different systems so that their customer service agents could see a single view of their customer and all the different policies that they had when they called in. So your customers are using the data, obviously, to enrich productivity, get a little bit more efficiency. Data is not going to go away anytime soon, is it? Oracle's been in business for many, many years, and data is not going to go away anytime soon. No, data, data, it's not going away, and it's actually growing. Uh, and uh, people want to take advantage of it, and uh, there are a lot of new companies out there that, that are letting people take advantage of it uh, much more economically, much more quickly, and much more flexibly than, than some of the technologies that were developed in the 70s and 80s uh, for dealing with smaller sets of data and uh, narrower types of data. You're an entrepreneur, you're a young company, you're growing fast. What's your story, Mr. Shearson? What, what, what started you on the road to being an entrepreneur? Well, you know, I, um, uh, I actually worked at Oracle for, for nine years. I, okay. I, I had a great experience there. Uh, um, as I was chief architect for the applications, um, it was really hard to build some of the newer applications that we were trying to do and some of the applications that looked at content and that looked at broader sets of data than, than some of the narrower financial data. And, and I felt like there, there had to be a better way. And then you know, I connected with uh, Dwight Merriman, who, who had uh, founded MongoDB. He'd been the founder and CTO at DoubleClick and had built a bunch of custom data management infrastructure to, to meet uh, his needs uh, as, as that company was scaling and processing 400,000 ads a second and, and wanted to bring uh, technology with that scalability and flexibility to, to a broader audience. And so I, I uh, joined up with him and his other founders to, to help grow this company. It's just been fantastic. Now, are you a quote-unquote cloud company or are you more of a physical presence inside the company? Company. Um, people use our software both in the cloud and on-prem. I think the cloud um, and that style of deployment has been challenging for a lot of traditional software. So, so that was one of the drivers was to really make the database cloud-friendly. Uh, but not all users are in the cloud. Next question, would, with all due respect, who are your competitors that you're most intrigued by or challenged by? You know, our, our biggest competitors are, are the big relational database companies such as Oracle. Um, uh, and it's not because we're offering the same thing that they have, but it, it's because they've been the only game in town for, for a long time. And it's, it's a good solution for some applications. If I was building an application to manage accounts payable or accounts receivable, I, I'd probably use the Oracle product or, or IBM or Microsoft or something like it. But if I were building something where I 
I wanted to understand the sentiment about my company on social media. That's a totally different set of requirements. So what we're trying to get to is a world where uh, you users pick the, the right tool for the job and that there are some tools that are well-suited for some of the newer problems. Okay. Now, 10 years ago, I would have said you have huge competition in Oracle because they're so entrenched and it's tough to get their solutions out of corporations and you would almost have to be acquired by Oracle. You've got $230 million plus in funding. You just raised $150 million in funding. You don't need to be acquired anytime soon. What are your plans for that money? Yeah, our, uh, we think that, that there's a big opportunity in the market, and we think that, that uh, there's going to be a big investment to, to go after that. So uh, we, we've got a product that people love, but Oracle has a you 30-plus know, year head start in, in building that, that product. And so there's lots and lots of features to add, lots of integrations to third-party products, lots of ecosystem uh, to develop. And then our customers who, who run big global businesses need us to be there around the world to support them. So we're just going to build out uh, a, a company around the world and a very strong product with that money. I'm speaking with Max Shearson, CEO of MongoDB, big database company. I don't want to use too many words for you. You've got locations in both Palo Alto and New York City. Why the dual offices? Because very different cultures, I would imagine. Yeah, the, the founders, uh, Dwight, uh, Elliot Horowitz, our uh, CTO, um, and, and Kevin Ryan were all New York-based. And okay. uh, if, if you love Manhattan, it's very hard to, to get you out. And so that's where the company started, uh, and those guys are absolutely critical to the company. Without them, we, we wouldn't be here. But at the same time, there, there are both a lot of skills uh, in the Bay Area that are important to, to building a company like this, a lot of people who have built great tech companies before, um, and a lot of our important customers are, are out here. So, um, uh, so I spend a lot of time on airplanes going back and forth, uh, but we felt like given where, where the founders are, what they were adding, and some of the skills that were here, it, it was really the right way to go. You've got big investors, including T. Roy, T. Roy Price, uh, NEA, Red Hat, Sequoia, Intel Capital, Salesforce.com. What's it like having these big, intimidating companies kind of like nudging you and giving you advice? Is it a, a, a relationship that is dynamic? Is it a relationship that's more static and, and a little bit poised? Yeah, the, the investors have been great. Um, okay. They they have a, a great experience set in in seeing big companies grow, but they also have the maturity to understand that each company is different. So they're there for for advice. They're there to offer perspectives of of what what they've seen, um, uh, and and they're very supportive because there are a lot of things that we're trying to do differently. Um, and and they're very supportive of, of us building the company in the way that we want to build it. I think that's fun insight working with such big partners. I mean, you made it. Like, that's a pretty good indictment. Like, Mom, look what I've done. I've got Intel talking with me. Um, let's talk about the sales trend. Uh, or not, yep. not the sales trend. Let's talk sales numbers and the tech trends. Um, how are the sales looking at this point in time, if you can tell uh, me? So, uh, so we don't report uh, our, our numbers publicly, but we're okay. growing uh, very, very strongly. I think that that's what uh, excites the investors is that we're growing strongly in, in a very large market. You know, the interesting thing is that uh, 
tech spending overall is not growing dramatically. It used to be you know, a couple decades ago, tech was just this exploding sector and everyone was growing. And now what you're seeing is some of the bigger names aren't necessarily uh, hitting their earnings with, with the reliability that, that they used to, but, but some of the newer names are really growing explosively and taking share. And so we hope that we can continue to grow and, and take share in the database market, which is over a $30 billion market. How about the tech trend itself? What are you seeing? What's going to be fun? Like Google Cars. We know we're going to have driverless cars in 10 years from now. What are the trends that you can tell me that I don't know about at this point? Sure. So um, so I think uh, you know, I work mostly on the enterprise side. Okay. And what I would say is, is that we're in the midst of a refresh of the whole enterprise stack, right, where people used to use proprietary hardware, um, use applications that ran on-premise, use, use proprietary infrastructure software for, for their custom development. They're, they're moving their applications to the cloud, to, to companies like uh, Salesforce, like Workday, like uh, ServiceNow um, are, are growing very, very quickly. Um, uh, and then they're moving their, their infrastructure to, to open source and commodity hardware. So you see companies like Red Hat, uh, uh, MongoDB, you see Hadoop um, as some of the new open source technologies that are being very impactful uh, there. And that lets uh, companies use inexpensive commodity hardware, scale out as needed. So instead of buying these big Exadata boxes that you see in these Iron Man movies for millions of dollars each, customers would rather buy you know, five or ten thousand dollar boxes, uh, commodity servers, fill up a rack with them at much less cost, and then use open source software on them. And by by doing that, they get an order of magnitude more efficiency, which lets them take on new projects. Sounds good. We've got less than thirty seconds. Anything else you want to end with? Yeah, I, I think it, it's an exciting time in okay. enterprise software uh, and just excited to help make our users more efficient. Join us again when you have more updates. It's Max Shearson, pronounced like it's spelled, CEO of MongoDB, mongodb.com. is a website that you can go look a little bit more. Exciting times in the world of enterprise. And he's right. It's a change. And we'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Hashtag genius. Elon Musk has made it free for drivers to drive from San Diego to Vancouver. 99% of Californians live within 200 miles of a supercharger. He's set up supercharging stations between San Diego and Vancouver. Thus, you can now drive the whole West Coast 
F-O-C, free of charge. But you get the supercharge is the angle. Um, 20 minutes, it's located typically near shopping centers, so you can charge while you're shopping. The problem is, is that this is really a West Coast story for now, before it becomes an international story, but like one was delivered in China, and they don't have a supercharging stations in China. So it's going to be expensive to build those out, which is great. It's a good problem to have. I really like what Tesla's doing for technology. It's exciting. It's moving technology into your car, where we spend an egregious amount of times. Speaking of spending time, did you know you can now use your electronic device during takeoff and landing on airplanes? Sweet! Right? Most planes don't do it yet, but by the end of the year, started next year, uh, the FAA has approved it. Yay! Facebook's in the news today. They're a little bit on the weaker side in large part due to due to weakness tied towards teenage usage. Teens drive technology. There's an old saying that pornography drives technology in the sense that they were the first to get on DVDs. They were the first to get on Blu-rays. They are the first to get a business model online. But teenagers are probably a bigger, more normalized, socially accepted story. If you don't have that teenager, you're not going to have that adult early spender who does stupid stuff with spending. By the time you get to your mid-30s, early 40s, you're like, I'm not going to spend crazy about amounts of money on Halloween costumes. I'm going to make it myself. But Facebook has a little bit of a problem on their hands. It's a good problem to have. It's not a death sentence. So let's see if they can figure it out. If you're with me or are you against me, you have to choose a side. Young and smart they are, the millennials, but they're having a tough, tough, tough time paying for a mortgage. Debt counts against them in the sense that they've got student loan debt, and that damages a credit score. So every dollar of student debt payments means less available debt to be taken on via mortgage debt and housing. 36% of graduates from college now are living with their parents. That saves on living expenses, but it also limits your credit history. So, 18 to 32-year-olds heading up their own homes in decline, not in expansion. So, I don't know if this means anything to you in any way, shape, or form. Coming out of law school, you have a lot of debt and... There's just not a lot of business out there right now. And again, you could say, like, I want to go and be a divorce attorney. There's always going to be a need for divorce attorneys, right? Not so much. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. S&P 500 is up fractionally. It was up, it was down, it was up. Dow Jones Industrial Average is lower. The NASDAQ is now breaking into positive territory. Um, we're talking a lot of Obamacare. We're talking a lot of budget issues. Facebook is on a little bit of a whipsaw today. It's now up 3% as they're putting the teenage issue past it. Visa's down 3% for the day. Starbucks is up for the day. All three of those companies, I think, are great franchises. And all three of those companies, I would potentially own. Which one do I like the most? Probably Starbucks and Visa. Facebook, I don't think, is a gimmick. But I do question the size of the company. I own shares of Facebook. I own shares of Visa. I own shares of Starbucks. You probably need two if you own an S&P 500 fund. 
Tesla's up 1% on the news today that they're doing their supercharged. Like, that's a crazy stock. Because it's such an isolated story to the West Coast at this point in time. And it's going to take years for them to build that out. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Um, I'm dressed as Velma today from Scooby-Doo. There we go. Let's wait for me, Scooby-Doo. Oh, my. Have fun with Halloween. Velma studied science, math, archaeology. She was more intrigued by her job than she was by men. I highly endorse Tune in to Channel 4 Cron in about 15 minutes to see me playing the role of Velma Dinkley. <laughs> I even have Scooby with me, I know. Did I bring my dog with me? Zoinks! A floating haunted bone. Bone. I guess haunted bones are one thing Scooby's not scared of. <laughs> what witty writing, right? Uh, most terrifying day of my life. Halloween is such a great day, right? There was a day when you could, like, walk in New York City and you'd see people with axes and, like, you'd be like, I'm getting out of here. But on Halloween, people walk down the street with axes and, like, ah, it's cool. I do love the holidays. Um, And we are in that period of time. Expedia, Starbucks, Facebook, MasterCard, Cardinal Health, Allstate, ConocoPhillips, all reported. And they're all either in line better than expected. Continuing claims, first-time unemployment claims, both pretty good today. There's some drama coming up with the beginning of the year. And that's really the big headwind out there. Otherwise, I think we're going to have a very good year this year and next year. I think we get through the headwind, but I think it could be dramatic. It's Rob Black. Your money, I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those. No matter how much you owe or how far behind you are on payments, call our established student aid toll-free assistance line right now at 800-641-6098. We can fix your student loan problems guaranteed. That's right. We guarantee we'll get your student loan out of default and cut your payments right away. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed. Just call 800-641-6098. We've helped thousands of people just like you fix their student loans. Don't go and Another day with your loans behind or in default. Our specialists are waiting for your call. Call 800-641-6098. That's 800-641-6098. Again, 800-641-6098. And my heart radio station. KDLW, Palo Alto, the Bay Area's business leader. A division of Salem Communications. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.